now, ladies and gentlemen, your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. And welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and summer has arrived, and it's or it's just begun, and forecasters predict it's going to be one of the hottest summers in recorded history. But while you worry about how to keep yourself cool, we'll take the worry out of making sure your garden does. On this episode of Down the Garden Path, we take the guesswork out of your out of how to keep your garden and landscape cool and colorful in the warmer weather to tips that come with the tricks, sorry, tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for your July garden. Oh my, Matt. (laughs) So This is July in the garden, everybody. What are you looking forward to this July? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Write us your questions at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. That's right. July in the garden. It is going to be hot, and it's been hot the last few days, too. Um, I know I've been watering. Thank goodness here in the GTA, we had some rain today, uh, and I think we're going to get a lot of good rain tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. rain is a good thing. Rain is a good thing. We just don't Mm -hmm. want it to come too hard and too fast. That's right. That's right. And I've been without air conditioning since Saturday night, so I definitely, as I'm reading that, I'm like, oh yeah, it's definitely been hot. So, uh, <laughs> so it, that has been repaired, and uh, the house is cooling as we speak. So, um, so yes. So, um, and the weather has. I mean, that we've really gotten some deluges today, um, but I think that makes the plants very happy. Yes, that is right. That is right. Like we said with the deluge, we do want it to be just a, like a, a good steady rain. It can be heavy. Can There can be lots of water. When it comes down and it just floods and it runs off, um, especially when it's just those brief rains, like mm-hmm. uh, like 15 minutes and it just pours and it goes, all of that's not going to have a chance to absorb into the garden and wash away. So double check that things actually did get watered. If we had a drought and we had that flash rain, that's not going to be enough this summer or this July for that water to get in there. The ground is so dry, it's going to repel the water to start and then very slowly start to take it in. And that's why we get one of those nice, long, good rains that mm-hmm. really get in there to soak. Yeah. So a good long day of a nice, slow trickle or some good, steady rain, that's a, that's a good watering day for sure. That's right. Oh, Especially, sure. I would say, so check your containers, because I think yes. that sometimes, the you know, the ones in the garden get a little bit more. But when it comes down that fast, I, I don't know that it always does a good job of watering, you know, the annuals in, in containers or vegetables in containers, that type of thing, right? And you're right there, too, because the ground, the soil in our ground is going to be different than the soil in our containers, Mm -hmm. right? We've got that peat-based container, and peat, when it dries out in a drought especially, 
will become hydrophobic. So when you water that watering can or pour in that water, you know, if the soil is contracted from the edge of the pot and it's literally running down the sides, you're like, oh, it's coming out. Great, I'm watering. But is it really actually watering? You're just kind of watering over and around the soil. So if you do check your containers, if you do find that really hard crust on the top, just break it in. Like if you're just kind of grabbing or, um, you know, teasing your hair with your fingers, just break that soil open a little bit so that it can uh, pass through some non-hydrophobic uh, soil underneath. And then just give it a few good lifts of water. Give it a water, mm -hmm. let it soak, come back five or 10 minutes, give it a water, let it soak. And she'll eventually rehydrate and everybody will be happy again. Yeah. yeah, excellent point. Yeah, ground is going to be different than our peat-based containers for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Lawns. Lawns. Oh, should we start there now? <laughs> yeah, that definitely. We should, I'm sure there's a question or two coming for the lawns. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah. rain and that watering, that's one of our key things when we get into, into that water for the summer, right? Remember, all of our grasses, especially here in the GTA, uh, are cooler season grasses. So if you find that your lawn is going dormant, during the summer, uh, it may be that you're cutting it too short, but it also may just be going dormant because you are relying on that rain to water it. So we do, if you want to keep that lawn green, you can remember once that uh, Humidex enters that forecast, we're going to raise our mowers to cut three inches high. And we're going to water once a week, thoroughly to once a week, or one in, thoroughly once a week to one inch deep. <laughs> uh, so test out your lawn. Uh, or your sprinkler, see how long it takes for your sprinkler or your sprinkler system to put down one inch. Mm -hmm. And I would just go out halfway between, for example, if you have an irrigation emitter or you have a favorite spot where you always put your sprinkler, watch how far it arches. What's the furthest point from the sprinkler to the farthest point that it'll reach? And in the middle, put a container and like a measuring cup, for example, maybe one you use for outside or a can. And start it at like three o'clock or whatever you want to water, but you want to watch yeah. how, how long it takes for that can to gather an inch of water in that spot. Okay. And that's how long you need to irrigate so that that whole area evenly gets that one inch of water everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So and your... it's key that it's just once a week. Like, so we're not, yes. so I think sometimes people think, well, I'll just put it on for a half an hour every night or every other night type of thing and just, you know, give everything a little top up, but that's not the best. Cause we really want, you really want the water to, to seep down because it's all about, really, it's all about the roots, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the song? It's all about the base, but it's really all yeah. about the roots. <laughs> um, so, you know, that by doing it once a week and doing what we would call that inch is like a deep watering less frequently so it's deeper than those roots they go and everybody can't see my hand get gestures right now yeah. that's like watching me um you know so then the roots go down uh much deeper to get the water and that helps them get through those the drought uh the drought times yeah exactly when you raise your mower higher it's creating a shade it's protecting the soil from sun and wind so the water lasts longer we've got it down to an inch and then as that over that week that inch dries out and the roots detect that drought actually stimulates the root tips to grow and hunt for water so you're encouraging better like you were saying joanne better root growth to chase that water in between so yeah yeah exact great 
great point. If if again, if the roots know that, that you're only watering once every, you know, 10 minutes every other day or 10 minutes, you know, by hand because you come home and it's something you do to relax. Roots are smart. They know that the water is up here. They're going to stay yeah. to that half inch. And then the second you mow it and it gets hot or it just gets hot, you're going to burn it out. Yeah. 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 And she's going to go and, to sleep. And, and really that does also apply to, to our trees and shrubs as well. Um, so we'll, we can definitely talk about that. But watering uh, is very important for July and August, isn't it? Definitely. Our hottest, most drought-filled mm-hmm. months. And we are going to have a hot one. Uh, or so they say we're going to have a very, very hot summer coming up. Mm-hmm. What are, now, now that we're still on uh, lawns, let's stay there and talk about fertilizer. So is it um, is it a good idea, even in this heat, to, and let's say a week like this where we're going to get rain, quite a bit of rain, is it a good idea to do put fertilizer down or should we wait? Yeah, if it's green already and we know that we've got moisture there, we can fertilize, especially oh, okay. with the synthetic fertilizer. So, you know, like our Scots or our CIL, the mineral-based one, the non-organic one, the synthetic ones. We can water as long as it's actively growing. If we know, though, that we've had drought stress or it's not quite green or it's starting to stress or you're cutting it short and not watering it enough, that stress that it's under when we do water with, or sorry, water with, fertilize with, asynthetic it can be such a large burst of food right away that the lawns can get a little bit stressed and they can actually bump themselves into dormancy so if you do have a stress lawn it's mid to end of july when we're going to start fertilizing and you do put down that synthetic fertilizer it might knock her into dormancy on the other hand if you do need to put some food down and you are watering regularly or you've got it stressed but you know that some food would help go organic it's going to feed the soil so it's not going to green up within the first two weeks right away like a synthetic one like a cl cil or scots or your other favorite house brand that's synthetic it's going to take a couple weeks to break down with the soil the microorganisms are going to eat the food and then release the nutrients to the grass and then improve the soil structure and the grass will green from weeks two through like weeks eight. So it's going to go like you're going to get a not a right away green, but a longer, more sustained green because you're feeding the soil. Like again, like feeding our keeping healthy organs on the outside. Mm-hmm. We're just as good or mm-hmm. we're even better. Yeah. So that'll also reduce the stress. The organic won't knock it into a stress based dormancy because okay. the soil's acting on it and giving it a nice, slow, controlled feeding sustained feeding so yeah so watch july and especially august if if you you should be fertilizing in july not so much in august uh but yeah watch your your lawn state in july if it's overstressed don't just go down and buy a bag of fertilizer and feed it and water it once or soak it in that Mm -hmm. sort of thing as you say though too as we say that you know if it's green we can fertilize Right now in the GTA, we're getting rain. We don't want to go out and fertilize with the synthetic fertilizers while the grass blades are wet. We want to make sure the grass itself physically dries off because oh, those prills can land. Yeah. Yeah, can get on the blades and then they'll start to dissolve or release their nutrients as they slowly drip down the blade and you can get speckling or some dead spots on the grass, mm-hmm. on the grass blades itself as the little feed moves to the soil. 
So yeah, so make sure the grass is nice and dry, the soil is moist, we can fertilize so it doesn't stick to the grass blades, and if it's too stressed but you need to feed, go organic for sure, for yeah. sure. That's good. And another thing with our lawns and the amount of rain we were supposed to get this week um, is the weeds will definitely be growing. So that's mm-hmm. something to kind of stay on top of um, before they get ahead of you. If you if you have a lot of crabgrass in your, you know, your lawn or some of the other, um, you know, more prolific weeds, then they are going to grow. Probably they always seem to grow twice as fast as the grass. Right. So <laughs> that's something to to just keep on t- be mindful of and keep on top of especially before you go and cut it, because I feel like then it's harder to find it, right? So before you cut your lawn, do a good, you know, walk around and and try to dig out as many of the weeds, especially the ones before they go to seed, right? Because then you're just spreading um, next year's and or next month's (laughs) weeds with this. Yeah, you start mowing those seeds and spreading them all over. Same thing with crabgrass, right? Crabgrass is going to bloom closer to the fall. And it's an annual. So if you can pick those now and try to prevent as many from going to seed or even as they start to go to seed again, going and picking them or just mowing them really down with your trimmer um, right. or grinding them. Mom's going to die. The, the mother plant's going to die and she won't set seed. And then those seeds won't show up next year. So right. yeah, get in and get those weeds. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent point. And remember too, as long as we're feeding our grass, keeping it long and promoting those cooler conditions, um, throughout the year, the grass will eventually fight its own battle and stay nice and green and thick, mm. all by regular feeding, cutting high, and watering once one inch deep once a week. She'll okay. be good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Um, so annuals and perennials. Oh, I yeah. know. But it's probably time. There's probably some perennials in your garden that have, you know, finished blooming. Like, well, I think of like um, peonies. Yeah, probably have finished blooming. So you know that you can I mean that you don't have to cut it back. The foliage on a peony, I just think is beautiful. It's glossy mm-hmm. and really nicely shaped. But you can de- deadhead the unsightly like dead ends of, you know, sad looking peonies. So you can do a little bit of deadheading there. Um, some of your other ones, like I think of salvia, right, that have stopped blooming, the little spikes that may have stopped blooming, catmint that may have you know, slow down, you can now do some what we would call deadheading, right? And cutting back of those perennials, and they will actually start um, to um, create more flowers, right? Generate more flowers. Yeah, that's right. Without focusing on those seeds, a lot of those species will give you or reward you with a nice little flush. Uh, Other things like, for example, uh, last week, I was deadheading some flocks. Um, Some of the Creeping flocks. Creeping flocks. Okay. Yeah, just kind of out of bloom. Just a nice mature clump held on a little longer where it was because it was a little cooler. Uh, So I had to go in and just shear it back. And this week she'll reward me with a flush of new growth and get get nice and dense. She's not going to rebloom, but she'll pop back and Mm -hmm. and look nice and flush. So yeah, great time to do some deadheading. Uh, If you don't know what deadheading is, remember it's just you're finding the old spent flower. You're going to follow the stem back to the next set of true leaves. Sometimes you'll see new flowers already coming out. So you can just Mm -hmm. cut right above where those leaves are coming out called the node uh, and regenerate or feed that new energy into those new flowers. I think of a a salvia there with you when you go down, right, you get the little flowers on the next two nodes where their next sets of blooms are going to come out. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, definitely cleaning up any deadheading, any dead leaves, mm-hmm. spent flowers, keep it things looking 
fresh. Remember, we want to do this too because we, especially with rain or the humid weather, these spots can be vectors of disease. So we can bring in molds and mildews and insects as things start to rot and decay. These things start to take advantage of that free moisture and that dead material to start eating and taking over. So, and it just keeps things happy and vigorous. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. Fresh foliage and flowers. Yeah. And your annuals. So I think you can, um, especially if you did buy some of the uh, like hanging baskets or some of the, you know, big containers um, early, early, you know, like I think of those early Mother's Day ones, you know, chances are they're fairly root bound and um, they might be looking a little bit on the sadder side or starting to get a little overgrown. You can give them a little bit of a head haircut and and trim, trim, de- do some deadheading and do some trimming. Make sure we talked about making sure they have enough water with this rain, but we also want to make sure they don't have too much water. So have right. a look and see because they could, if it smells kind of sour, you know, then it might be too much water depending on where it is. Um, and you you can kind of, especially if they don't have um Drainage holes. Oh, drainage holes. That's the word. Drainage <laughs> holes. I'm like, I could see the motion. <laughs> yeah, I see the motion of drainage holes. I didn't know that drainage holes had a motion, but it did. Uh, that Matt <laughs> can, you know, uh, see. But uh, yes, yeah, so some of the bigger, you know, the 16 inch pots don't really have drainage holes, do they? Yeah, a lot of them, or they have very few ones that are small and spread right. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so so yeah, so and if there is some if there is a plant that's not doing well and everything else is doing great, then take out that plant that's not doing well and tuck something else in there. Um and we know, you know, annuals, I mean everything in the garden costs money, but uh, you don't have to throw the whole thing out um or deal with a plant that you're not happy with. You can um and some of the some of the garden centers like especially the ones like the shopping center ones that are winding down um, not the grocery store ones that are winding down. You can go and grab some, you know, some annuals from them at a good deal and kind of tuck them in. So, uh, so definitely know that uh, they mean, need some love uh, in this in this coming month of July and even some fertilizer. Yeah, that's right. I, I have to do that exact same thing. I had um, a New Guinean patient in the center of um, a planter. It kind of died. It just had mm. some stress from that really hot couple of weeks we had ago. Uh, and then this week, again, she just got a little bit of that heat and she finally collapsed. She couldn't come back for a fourth time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go pop out. Even your big box stores, too. They usually will carry some one gallon sizes of some of the annuals or some of the key annuals, mm-hmm. impatience, geraniums, things like that, uh, grasses or the, the spikes from the center that they know we're going to lose. So you can just like you said, I'm going to have to cut that little New Guinea out pop a new one in and mm-hmm. and she'll root and grow and then another good point fertilizer right we do need these plants are growing so fast they're drinking so much uh we do want to make sure that they are fed so you're going to feed something with a high middle number and a high um last number that phosphorus and the potassium and just make sure that uh, they keep blooming and focus on general um Producing new blooms, generating mm-hmm. new, blooms, new blooms, for sure. Would it at 202020 be fine? Like most people will have like a 202020, right? 202020 is perfectly fine. Okay. It's perfectly fine. Unless you have something that's like sensitive to high nitrogen or, um, you know, there's so much nitrogen in our, which is the first number, the first 20. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's an overabundance of nitrogen, we might see that the plants stimulate more foliage growth, um, but overall. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, they usually just take what they need and yeah. Yeah, go from there. 
That's right. So yes, you can also so you can do that by granular, or you can do it by water. So water soluble. So something that's like the Miracle Grow Blue Crystals dissolve it by water and give it a food feed. As we're talking about drought and fertilizing, remember always water your plants first. You don't want to water with fertilizer or heavy fertilizer to burn the roots. You want to make sure there's water first. Let it soak in or rehydrate. If you have to water the next day, that's fine. But we don't want those salts coming into direct contact with those roots to damage them or slow them down. That sort of thing. Yeah. So definitely get them feeding. Keep them nice and lush. Lush, nice and lush. Um, so yeah, annuals and perennials. Again, like you had said, um, we were looking at some of the annuals, deadheading and cleaning them up. Some of the perennials might be doing or needing some of the same thing. I said, like the phlox, a lot of our spring flowering mm-hmm. perennials, uh, like your peony. Same thing with our shrubs. Remember our pruning of our shrubs. We wanted, in general, we're going to prune or, uh, after they've flowered. We wanna, don't want to cut off any of the flowers for the coming season. So once your shrub has gone off into big, full flower, I think of, for example, our wagelias, our late spring early summer bloomers, they're out right now. As we get through July, we're going to see a lot of them lose some of that flower power. And as we get into mid to end of July, we can go in and we can give a nice shaping to it. So we can cut back by a third if we really needed to. I know I've got one or two Ajelias that I need to work on Mm -hmm. because they're just kind of exploding in all direction. There's no real structure to them. Um, But I'm going to go in and do a little bit of a heavier pruning, some scaffold branching uh, set up there. And uh, just give them a light shear. And something like Wagelia or your nine barks, they're going to be able to take that and reward you with new stems, new structure in the case of the nine bark, for example, or like your Wagelias. They love to little bubble up little flowers all season long and more so, mm-hmm. some more so than the other, depending on the cultivar. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're going to reward you with blooms all year long. So wait for your uh, things that are in your garden now, especially your shrubs, to finish blooming before you give them a good heavy shear, for okay. sure. Yeah. Great. Trees and shrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about some pruning. We can fertilizing. We're going to be at the end of our fertilizer, especially like our evergreen fertilizer, our trees fertilizer, as we get into July. Uh, and again, this is going to be dependent on where you are. Where we are here, we're going to stop about Canada Day or July 4th, which is the same, pretty much that same week, right? Okay. Um, I thought we could we could fertilize through July, but no, we want to stop. We, we, we can in the way that, for us especially, we're starting to see longer falls. So Yes, that's the other right? day. I was just going to say, I mean, because yeah. we're not getting a hard frost until later and we're not getting snow until later. So I thought yes, we and- might be able to push it a bit. Yeah, and no, and you were right. We are we are able to start pushing it and um, seeing it a little later. The overall general rules around July first. If you just fed this week and you were going to do one more, you you're usually pretty fine. But the idea is there at the beginning of July. We want to slow our fertilizer with a heavy nitrogen or with a high nitrogen because we don't want to stimulate all that new, like you were saying, that that soft tree growth or new leaves. That as we get a frost or a hard a cold night, that new growth is so tender that it burns. We mm-hmm. want it to harden off as it cools down so that it lets go of the foliage. It'll let go either way, whether it's tender or not. But when that tender foliage gets burnt in the winter, 
uh, storm, you know, our tree's like, oh, that's what's going on. Now I need to repair myself. Do I lose this whole stem? What, do I just drop leaves? What am I, what am I yeah. doing? So, yeah. So reducing the nitrogen, if you need to, again, if you've maybe planted new perennials or a new tree or a new shrub, we can definitely still feed with something with a higher middle number. Um, okay. For the rest of the season, that's going to stimulate that new root growth, still provide that nitrogen and potassium for overall protection and resistance. And nitrogen is always needed in some degree for growth, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and water our trees. I mean, our city trees are, you know, that's something that I feel like everybody thinks, oh, well, it rains, so my trees should be fine. Um, but sometimes they do need a little bit of extra right? If you, um, especially in um, like small boulevards, when you think about like their roots, you know, they're, they're uh, surrounded by asphalt and concrete sidewalks and roads. And, you know, there's not a lot, even though they, they might have like a grassy patch around the base, there's not a lot of surface there. And all that water on all those hard surfaces, as we know, as Matt uh, mentioned it earlier, it just runs off. So, so that's something to really important. Um, we, you know, there's, if you, you can have a soaker hose, you can have putting the sprinkler on uh, close, uh, you know, around the drip line of the tree, which is if you look up, look at where the branches come out to, how far the branches come and kind of picture that circle. You know, you can do a sprinkler in that area if it's, if it's a very mature tree and, Again, just set a timer on your phone or something like that and and uh, and give it a good watering. Um, and then there's also an option of a tree bag. That's something that I know I've used. My trees are all doing really well, especially compared to some neighbor's trees who were planted at the same time. Almost too well, actually, because mine are too big now and shading, <laughs> already shading my house. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the tree bag is nice, especially for those absent-minded, kind of lazy gardeners, kind of like me <laughs> in some ways, right? You just fill the bag and it's tiny, tiny, tiny little holes. And it might take up to eight hours for it to slowly release. Right. Now, not as good. Like, that's definitely good for young trees, right, Matt? Because the trunk on bigger trees is so big that that really the water, you don't need the water at the base of those trunks. You need them at the drip line. So really it depends on the age of your tree. Um, but if you can barely zip it up around the tree, then then, then that's a good sign. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So I'm sure some people recognize those. You know, you see some municipalities use them when they plant a tree. They, they're just green bags. Um, um, that are look like empty bags around the trees um, in our community, but you can buy them. Uh, most garden centers will carry them. And I think they're really handy to have. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're great. I know we see a lot of them around Durham region here. Uh, our municipalities are a big fan of them around those young trees. And as you said, uh, as they get older, you may not be able to wrap them around, but you can be watering on the drip line. Trees are smart. They know that they're blocking most of their water. They're measuring that there's not much water content around the trunk in the soil. So they put their feeder roots way out beyond the edge of the tree. I'm always surprised, well, does this tree get a big roots? Um, like this, does this tree have big roots? Well, it's 30 feet wide and it knows that most of the water is beyond the edge of those leaves way over there. That's 15 feet away from its trunk. So yeah, you've got roots 20 feet over there. Or like you said, where it's tight in a boulevard, right? She may not be yeah. able to really spread out that way. So she is, her feet of roots are right in, in that boulevard. So yeah, making sure that you're irrigating well enough, you've got 
your bag on young trees or you're using a uh, root feeder that hooks up to your hose and injects mm. water underneath the soil surface. Beyond the grass level, you go in about six to eight inches down and it pressurizes and blasts water out into the uh, surrounding soil. And you just go around your drip line or the, as far as you can go. If you drip line, if you're out in the middle of your, your yard or uh, that sort of thing, or if you're in the boulevard, just as many times as you can, every kind of two feet around the perimeter and around the middle. Uh, get her a nice good drink but yeah you're right i think we always forget that our big trees oh it's so big it's so established it's been here for years it's still thirsty and she's still drinking and the number one way we really see this is you get to see like the burnt margins um i always think about the um uh, norway maples especially you get to see like the edges of the margins of the leaves start to burn or mm-hmm. brown out a little Dry bit especially out, yeah. in the top part yeah the tree literally has is moving so much or trying to move so much water with transpiring in this heat and then it runs out of water that you know Mm -hmm. the tree still has the water being pulled away from the environment and she just slowly dries out Mm -hmm. until she gets some more so yeah if you see that with your tree that's a good sign that you need to be watering a little bit more uh, maybe a different way yeah. And things like Japanese maples that need a little bit more ma- uh, moisture, you know, y- you mm-hmm. often see that as well. And the other signs are it's kind of premature in the fall. You'll get some premature leaf drop. But then by then it's too late, like adding water then, like adding water when you see the dry leaves and adding water when you see the dro- the the uh, leaf drop, the premature leaf drop. That's almost too late. Right. So the things we're kind of sharing with you and by the way all of this is in our book uh down the garden path a shameless plug a step-by-step guide to your ontario garden but you do not need to leave, live in ontario uh but all of this uh you know is in our july section and uh and you know everything from the lawn and the annuals and perennials and watering your trees so so yeah so that's something to remember um that we're trying to be proactive and if we do a little bit all the time, you know, then then it really is lower maintenance versus having to invest a lot of time or money into solving problems. So um, so really, like with our book, we really wanted to just have everybody be proactive and um, stay on top of everything. And that really um, makes it low maintenance. That's right. You know, what I was thinking as you were saying, uh, even though it's in, it says Ontario in the title, um, and there's so many tips. These still apply to your garden, whatever it is. Maybe we need to retitle the book, uh, A Proactive Step-by-Step Guide to Your Garden or Landscape. <laughs> <laughs> but pro- like you said, proactive, right? Just like the show, July in the Garden. Not July quite yet, but these are things you definitely want to stay on your radar to keep things looking as green and as fresh as they are now. As, and as when you planted them. Well, yes. it's a- bottom of the hour uh which means it's time for my mid show station id uh and it's my last time saying thank you everybody for joining us here live tonight and all the other times you've joined us every monday night uh here down the garden path on reality radio 101 thank you again as well whether you're listening online on reality radio or you've downloaded the podcast we appreciate all of you i'm matthew dressing here with my co-host and co-author joanne shaw and you're listening to down the garden path joanne and i have enjoyed hosting down the garden path each week bringing you interesting relevant 
topics to help you achieve a great garden. I was going to move a word. <laughs> Over the last nine wonderful seasons, we've learned right along with you from our research and from the amazing guests, so many that we can't even name, uh, yes. that have joined us here on the show. That's right. And so after nine seasons, like Matt mentioned, nine seasons and over 340 episodes down the Garden Path podcast uh, is ending its live broadcast on Reality Radio 101. On this episode, we're looking down the Garden Path through the years. To... No, do I no we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to edit something in there for Joanne. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fudging the last so, one. So, <laughs> yes. So, uh, on this episode, we are saying goodbye. Um, but um, goodbye to Reality Radio. Goodbye to Gary um, and the listeners that listen to us on their computers. Thank you very much for all your ra- and everything you've written in during the show. Nobody's got a July question. <laughs> They've well, I I want to say to us. Right. I, I just I might as well take the time now and yeah, tell all okay. our listeners how much I appreciated Joanne and Matt to be on the air for many years and uh, an exceptionally wonderful Monday evening to come into your homes to give you all the information that they've given you and some great guests. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you being part of the reality radio one-on-one family of broadcasters. Mm -hmm. It's quality programming at its finest. And I really appreciate that. And I just want to let everyone know out there, including Matt and Joanne, that the door is always open for any projects that you may have in the future. And I want to thank you sincerely. Oh, thank you, Gary. Yes, thank you very much, Gary. And you know what, everybody? Joanne and I, you know, we need a break because we're busy and we're busy landscaping and good things are happening for us. So thank you for, I can't even count how many emails we've received this evening. Uh, But you never know, maybe we will miss it. I know we're going to miss seeing Gary and talking to Gary every week. Uh, So maybe we'll be back in September or (laughs) in the fall or something, but we'll keep you apprised. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But we will, we are planning on doing um, some podcast only, some shorter episodes um, Joe, you can find you. Know, we were definitely going to do an August in the garden and September in the garden. So we do ask, we will be here. We're not, you know, leaving the country or anything. Um, our Facebook group is open, uh, our emails that you have, uh, we would love to still hear from you and answer your questions. We just love the Facebook group because when we answer, then other people can see the, que- you know, the answers. I, I We feel like that's just so much more productive than individual emails. But we know not everybody is crazy about Facebook, too. So um, but it is a, a private group there. So you can ignore the news feed and just stay with us on the, on the Facebook. And did you want to read the rest of uh, your little blurb, Matt? <laughs> I was going to say, just to build on what you're saying, although it is the last episode, Don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path. Podcast is our handle there. And you can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, we'd love it for you to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you and we love knowing that uh, it's helped you out in any little way uh, that it is it can because that's why we've loved doing it yes. for so long as Joanne said you can always write us here down the garden path podcast 
at hotmail.com, um, or again, even better, uh, at Facebook, at Down the Garden Path Podcast, where we're interacting and we're answering questions. Don't forget, while we're away, you can always find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca, and you can visit myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. Oh. <gasps> <sighs> I so. <laughs> know. That's right. And I was going to say something. I was going to add something. And now I'm like, oh. now it's gone. <laughs> what I was going to say. Like, well, I was going to add, uh, too, is you have that wonderful newsletter. So don't forget to sign up there. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to start a newsletter as well, just to keep uh, communicating with everybody. So definitely mm -hmm. follow us. Find us on Instagram and Facebook. There's still a lot more interaction from us. That's right. So. And I think... Um, you know, if people who are used to the radio show and not crazy about podcast apps or don't know how to do that, our shows are available on our website. So just so you know that that is all of our past shows, even my on my website, I've got the the really, really old pre mat um, radio shows um, with um with the uh, rock music, right, Gary? Um, so yep. those are on my website. If you want to, you know, go down memory lane and, and listen to some of those um, past episodes, we still have some really great guests. And uh, so, yeah, so if you are not a podcast person, but, you know, and you enjoy reading, listening on your computer, you still can do that uh, as well on both of our websites. We will have them available. Um, so yes, so thank you. And um, I don't know if anybody is on social media, we've got a little video. So some of the, the really nice comments that were sent to us, um, um, Janet, who a shout out to Janet, who helps us with some of our social media. She did this great little video and we've got more wonderful comments from you. And then and we'll probably include some more uh, of your comments in our next video. But we want to thank everybody for your support and uh, cheering us along when we were writing our book, right, Matt? Like that was one That's of our right. big, big things. Um, so it's still a bit, so if you really miss us and you're still available for sale uh, at Amazon or on our websites. Um, so yeah. That's right. Um, as you say about our book, um, we're gonna have a chance to promote the book. Actually, um, I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be there. Um, you are, you're gonna I'm gonna there. be there, okay, Joanne's saying no for sure. But Jamie's also written in a lot of my faves. Good luck in the future. Thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, but Jamie also says, if you're on TV or radio again, please let us know. Well, Jamie, you can actually Jamie tune was in. like a mind reader there. Jamie, <sighs> TV, we haven't been on TV until Until Friday. this Friday morning Friday. at about yeah. 6.50. Uh, if you're in the Toronto area, we're going to do, I'm going to do a little spot on global news talking about tips in your summer garden. So very much like uh, tonight's episode. So mm -hmm. tune us in there if you'd like. Yeah, that's right. That's Speaking right. about other summer tips, how what else do we need to do July in the garden? <laughs> well, you know what? We haven't talked a lot about how are veggie gardens doing. We haven't talked a lot about veggies the last few months. Um, my, I think because mm -hmm. it's been cool, it's it's been a cooler start, you know, which has been nice for the ornamental gardens and the grass and, and things like that. But I think it's gotten, uh, you know, uh, many vegetables off to a slower start. Um, so yeah, so what should we be looking for in the vegetable garden, Matt? Yeah, one of the biggest issues we find is our blossom end rot. And of course, mm. it's going to be tomato specific, but who doesn't like a nice, juicy, flavorful tomato? Again, going back, in, going back into watering, just making sure that you're feeding your tomatoes 
and they've got ample water, it's that movement of calcium. When they run out of calcium, you'll get the blossom end rot developing. And it's that weird rotting spot on the very bottom of your tomato where the flower used to attach. You usually get that one little point that's there. It'll affect those tomatoes, but it's not a disease that'll spread through all of those subsequent tomatoes. So it'll just affect those ones where they miss the calcium. Just making sure you've got some, again, some calcium and magnesium back in your soil, or it's included in your your fertilizer. You can keep your tomatoes growing fresh uh, and strong. If you haven't planted anything, there are still lots of things. You could be planting Mm -hmm. cabbages and onions, different peas, beans, uh, radishes before mid-July. If you haven't planted any potatoes, you could be putting in a whole group um, or a nice planting of potatoes just in time for a fall crop as well. Lots of different leafy greens, lettuces, cabbages, kales, all ready to go in still in the month of July with shorter lifespans or that are going to really bring on their own as things get cooler as well. Um, so there's still lots of planting that we we can definitely do as well. Okay. I hate to hit the watering hammer horse over <laughs> again, the head yes, <laughs> with a hammer. But again, remember when you have juicy fruits, your cucumbers, your tomatoes, your apples, your berries. Melons. That's yeah. Melons, especially melons. Yes. All of that is water that you are feeding it or that the rain is getting it. So if you're looking, if you have a crop that's not quite juicy or you thought it was going to be more flavorful, just make sure that you are feeding it and giving it, giving it that water so that it can do what it, what it needs to be doing for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. Um, just go back to the uh, fertilizers because you mentioned the calcium for the tomatoes. So if our listeners are concerned about their tomatoes, um, I just do the great because that doesn't happen with like cherry tomatoes and grape tomatoes, right? It is the bigger tomatoes that get the blossom and rot. It's more often on the bigger ones. And I we also get to see them a lot. I have had them on a touch of my cherry tomatoes on oh, some cultivars. Okay. okay. And that's more my fault because... I've left my containers again, a condo balcony garden kind of thing. I've yeah. left sometimes my soil is really bad, but, um, but again, it's like almost non-existent. If I have okay. a truss of like 15, I can take off four. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so what, t- what should we be fertilizing? So should it be like just a water soluble 2020, should it be something more um, organic? Like um, I know there's like the hand manure, it comes like in a, on a, and um like a, I think of it as like a milk cart, more of a colorful yeah. milk carton, right? And you can kind of sprinkle it and then water it into the soil. Is there a preferred one that you you really feel like is, because I feel like it's like a fast, you need something that's really going to act act quickly. Mm, yeah. You know what? There's a lot of, I like, again, like the organic ones, because you're always, again, building your soil. Still okay. important to do in containers. Um, but yeah, these guys feed so quickly that you can use something like a synthetic water soluble. It doesn't say organic. Remember, those are all minerals that we've had to mine and process so that they can become, uh, you know, food available or nutrients available for that. So it's not organic, organic certified, but um, yeah, using something that's water soluble, specific for tomatoes, or if you have a slow release, that is always feeding, just making sure that you're just watching and making sure that it's a nice balanced 
fertilizer with all the micro and macronutrients um, that the plant will need. I like to use, uh, again, something from Fafard. Uh, we did try to have them on the show, and maybe they will be on a future podcast. Um, but I like their garden special, and it's just a nice 6, 9, 12. I like to sprinkle a little bit in the bottom of the hole, plant my plant, and then sprinkle a little bit over it so that as the roots expand, they've got a nice slow release organic based fertilizer for them to eat lots of potassium, which increases the nutrient uptake efficiency. It's got a nice boost of um, a nice little phosphorus in there for flowers and a vegging set because the flowers, right? They're the fruit uh, and then some nitrogen, which everybody needs. So it really comes down to personal preference. Um, but I, I usually use that. And then if I really need to, I will put in some like a miracle grower, a water soluble, or even if you prefer to go organic, there are mm-hmm. things like the musky fertilizer, which is a five one one. Um, there's a lot of like a fish um, one, right? Like yeah, a fish. like yeah. a fish based one. There's a lot of kelp or seaweed based ones, which mm-hmm. have a nice nutrient profile as well. Remember, new, the organics have a lower amount of um, available percentage of those nutrients available to them because they need to be broken down by the organisms in the soil, which releases more nutrients based on the components in that fertilizer. So, yeah. So that's what I like to use. um, And that's what I've done in my containers um, for all of my veggies. Um, And my stuff is growing well. I've got some peppers and some tomatoes and some corn and yeah, doing well. Well, That's good. It's good. So yes, so feed as you need to. It depends on what you've got. Tomatoes are pretty heavy feeders. You usually only need one or two big fertilizing, one in the beginning of the season, one in the mid end, end of the season. Very true too about um, different, you know, your melons and your gourds and things like that. Your beans, your peas, your radishes, they can use just one kind of feeding as you plant or if you want to do water soluble uh, because that's easier for you, right? There's no right or wrong answer necessarily. Um, again, just making sure it has that neutral nutrient profile in there. You can be watering every time you water as well with a reduced concentration. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, we're getting some great comments. So definitely um, some reminiscing. Um, I think a few people have said it, but Katie says uh, the oldest joke on the Garden Path radio show, Matt, can I rake my lawn now? Uh, Fly in the future, (laughs) but do not go on any submarines. Thank you, Katie. We will definitely. (laughs) So that's a good one. Um, And then who just said, oh, Howard said that his, uh, Joanne, my favorite story from our Garden Path show was uh, my cardboard street curb project um so yeah yeah. so thank you um that's that was a good one um uh, yeah so there's lots of uh great uh great memories everybody here um Sue, you said you wanted to hear us talk about shows over the past few years, which we did last week uh, as well, which ones were our favorites. So if you missed it, it it is available on our websites or on the podcast. Um, We did a good uh, reminiscing. Um, Bob, who's been a loyal listener, um, blessings to us here and wishing you good luck in the future. And Bob is an avid listener from Burlington, Ontario. So, yeah, so I think, uh, oh, and Helen, Helen just sent in a lovely photo, Matt. Did you see it? No, Um, I'm scrolling through all the many. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Hello to my favorite gardeners, Joanne and Matt. Since I cannot give you a big hug or kisses, take it from me, a senior citizen from Toronto who loved, I got to click. 
who um, love listening to your radio show every Monday evening for years. You're so good to me and my poor green thumb. I learned so much listening to you with my cup of tea and biscuit. Thank you. So here's my reward to you from listening to you uh, from my garden. Uh, so, and this beautiful picture of roses and peonies. Um, so yeah, Aww. so thank you, Helen. That is lovely. And it's just so nice to see all these familiar names uh, in our in our mailbox. So uh, thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, and a beautiful photo of of your your plants there, of your beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. We're glad we can Love help the you colors. grow those. Oh my gosh! Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful colors. Yes, very, very nice. yes. But Darlene, you say no more, no oh. more help. We can still help you. We're still here. We're still on, at, like we said, in our Facebook group. Um, for you know, check out our websites and and for our upcoming, um, there'll be shorter little podcasts and stuff that Matt and I are going to do. Um. But uh, but we're we're still around, so we're not letting you go. No, yes, exactly. We'll be on at Down the Garden Path podcast on Facebook, and we'll be posting, uh, you know, things that are happening in our gardens and other issues mm-hmm. and like pollinators and other timely tips uh, and tricks as we go through. And we'll be having lots of flashback episodes posted. So yeah, definitely follow along. We're not. We're not gone, gone from the world. There's still other ways to reach it out to us. We hope that you'll reach out to us there. We understand that maybe that's not the way that you uh, tune in or listen or you interact with the internet because everybody does it differently. Right, right. Everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many listener um, I know. Tw- like comments here. <laughs> um, just looking here, Robert has sent something in. Uh, picture oh i'm loading sorry robert uh hi matt and joanne my gift to you for all the times that you helped me thank you uh and he sent us oh how to identify your plants with with your phone (laughs) identify but oh yeah with the the uh app thing picture this app yeah that's right yes and you know what that's so funny robert because i think i've told this story before i actually was using this app and uh, i had a design client and i designed their back or their front yard um, and she had already designed in the backyard and they invited me to a dinner because I know this person through a friend of a friend. And so I was there and I had another one of their design clients who came there, who was a friend across the street. And they said, oh, Matt, look, we didn't even have to hire you um, to do our design. Look, this cool look app. And look, and he took a photo of like the nearest hydrangea and they gave him the wrong hydrangea. <laughs> So I'm like, oh yes, of course. Yeah. So yeah, they take you so far, but they they are good. There are some good apps for some crazy yeah. different plants out there that yeah, yeah. weeds yeah. and very sparse natives or invasive mm-hmm. stuff, which is good yeah. to know. So yeah. I like that one that you sent in there, Robert, for sure. That's so mm-hmm. funny. American And I use um Google Lens. So just Google Lens mm. on your phone. It's a free one. And yeah, I mean if you're walking in the forest, if you see leaves and you don't know what tree it is, or you see mushrooms and is it poisonous, like you know, still don't eat it regardless of what the app says. But yeah. <laughs> the the apps uh we, and we never did do a show on apps. I think we talked about that. Um yeah. yeah. So, um, all the things we've talked about um and nine years we still ran it we still kept didn't talk about everything so uh so yeah <laughs> yeah oh, we talked about the one growbot um seed to spoon right that's yep, right more. so you can definitely check out that one that one's mm-hmm. a great little app to yeah you program thing it's a, kind of the first app that's integrating ai and getting yes. smarter with your gardening yeah yes 
maybe Joanne, that's something that we need to do is uh, maybe our listeners would like a uh, down the garden path podcast app and they can listen to episodes and uh, we can have like a forum or something on there. Ah, interesting. Joy's giving me the look like, okay, you get on that. Yeah, exactly. You get on that. (laughs) That's you. Um, oh my goodness yes um so yeah so thank you everybody i know we still have some time is there any i think we covered everything about the garden right um if you didn't catch it that matt is going to be on uh, global news reach out to us but they only want one of us which is fine um, well they want both of us but the their studio can accommodate only one of us right of the size. Right, right so <laughs> there will we are meeting tomorrow and shooting some video at my in my garden um so yeah so you'll see some clips um, of my garden and uh, and some stuff that Matt and I are going to do. Hopefully um, they approve it and everything is good. But so, yeah, so it's kind of like this kind of, you know, thanks to shout out to Helen Battersby um, with uh, the Toronto Garden uh, Journal. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's been a guest on her show talking about shade gardening as well. So. Uh, so, yeah. So thank you, That's Helen. Right. That's right. And we had our sister Sarah on talking about the journal, uh, Mm -hmm. which is amazing as well. So, yeah, thank you again, Helen, for that opportunity. And again, follow the Down the Garden Path um, podcast Facebook page because I'm sure we'll get the clip from uh, Global News and we'll be able to post it and share that little segment with everybody on YouTube and our Facebook page. So take a look there. Like you said, we're going to see some some of your garden and it'll be lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think of one other thing. We kind of joked about this when we were writing the book about how many times we mentioned in the book to take a picture of your garden. So if there's anything I can say, right, we kind of joked about it. And, yes. and Janet, who also so Janet does our social media. Janet also edited our book. Janet has been amazing for us. Um, and so and she found these amazing little graphics that she's she's um, dripped all over the, you know, um, all over the book and drift is not the right word what is that <laughs> i don't know plugged in all over the book scattered, um, scattered. that's the word not drift scattered <laughs> all right um we do really strongly advise you to do that like yeah. especially now that you don't have to get a camera and you can just use your phone but it will you will see things in those pictures or on your phone that you're not seeing in your eye you will see where there's a gap where there's holes where you you know where a plant might not uh, you might want more of that plant because sometimes you you might love a plant like I think of catmint or salvia and you like wow that looks really good but it's just you can barely see it you know well then go get a second one and plant it beside it and and kind of fill out that area or plant it in a different area and you've got repetition in your garden so I think watching through the pictures even if you just took it once every Saturday morning you took some pictures you'll really see oh this you know these two weeks in July the first two weeks of July nothing's blooming because it is very easy we could all with very little experience, have a beautiful June garden because like 80% of the plants bloom in June, right? Or look good in June. <laughs> but it's it's how you get it, you know, looking good from in July and August and September and in May, right? So uh, I, I think that is my, I guess we should leave with our parting, our parting favorite things. But mine, my tip would be that is to, because you forget, you know, yes. you forget last year, what did it look like? Did that grow that way? Um, so I really feel 
that especially with the phones and our technology and the the apps if you're not sure what it something is if you've inherited a garden you can take a photo of it and also you know identify it and learn more about it on the app so definitely my parting words would be to weekly take pictures of your garden and even in the winter you know what's showing do you can you see anything is there any winter interest do you have red stems poking out of the snow do you have some beautiful evergreens um, you know, covered, looking beautiful and graceful in the snow. So, yeah. So there you go, Matt. I put you on the spot for thinking <laughs> your favorite <laughs> parting words. Okay. Uh, well, let me start by you know what echoing what you said because yes, that's so great. Because when um, I I you know everybody knows I teach at um, community college. college here. That's right, and that's actually the Garden Journal is the project that I give my annual and perennial students. And that's what they have to do is take a picture every single week. And we look at all these different aspects of gardening, deadheading and mulching and preparing for winter and all that sort of stuff. And they really love it because you get to see from, you know, week one in school to winter what happens. So, yeah, there's that. And again, that's what that uh, Toronto Gardener's Journal is just wonderful for day by day. Lots of resources. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to end. This will be my, my, I guess, my my farewell. My tip is I just hope that, um, you know what, you all just love gardening, garden with your heart. Um, as I say, my natural affinity saying is, you know what, every, guard, um, every garden is a work of heart. And uh, you know what, it's all about what you love, what your natural affinity is. And just enjoy what you're doing and plant what you love. And you know what, there's lots of tips and tricks that we have out there that can help you. Um, our book, everything, we're going to be here. Um, but just enjoy yourself. If you're not gardening and enjoying yourself and killing a couple of plants along the way, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, yes. yeah, do you. And and do the journal so that <laughs> as my little bit more wilder approach to gardening. Yeah, uh, that's right. Joanne can steer you right. But thank <laughs> you so much, everybody who's listened. Thank you so much for making this wonderful. I've loved joining you on the show for the last six years. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to you and Gary. And this will be me saying goodbye. I'll let you say goodbye yes. on your show. Bye, Gary. I still can't believe it. Have you, you that you put up with me for nine I years? I love you, Joanne and Matt. <laughs> oh. Don't you worry about that. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for being such loyal listeners, and we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much for joining us down the garden path. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.